1: of the saints to believe that the rapture could occur at any minute. The church believed in that. They moved everything they did was in that vein to demonstrate that Jesus Christ was coming, His eminent coming. In fact, some of them even quit their jobs and hung around all day waiting. They opted to wait on the Lord's return. And because they did this, Paul corrects that attitude in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. He corrects that attitude. He said, you're not supposed to wait for him. You're supposed to watch and wait, but you're not supposed to lay everything down, quit your job. You're supposed to continue.
0: Do you ever feel like you're just waiting for the Lord's return? In today's edition of Assure Hope, Pastor Dave talks about how even though we're waiting for the Lord's return, we cannot just sit back and wait. We're called to pursue the Lord's calling for us because we are the light of the world. We need to share the gospel. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts, chapter 1, as he continues his message The Ascension of Jesus Christ.
1: You are sure the promise is here that he will come again. That same Jesus the angel confirmed that Jesus promised, this same Jesus, he will come. So, Jesus promised the disciples were to turn. And this is not new to the disciples, it's almost like a reminder. That beautiful scripture in John 14, verses 1 through 3. I'm sure you've heard it many, many times. You probably could almost repeat it. I'll read it for you. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. This is Jesus talking. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you to myself. That there I am, you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way, you know. And we know that down in verse 6 of chapter 14, Jesus makes this hugely bold and prophetic statement. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. So they've heard this before. This is not new to the disciples. They've heard it. And this now becomes the longing of every true believer the delight of our hearts and the hope of our faith that we were going to be with Jesus sometime and sometimes soon. This is a doctrine, a major doctrine of our Christian faith, and it, it separates us again from all other religions. No other religions have this doctrine that their leader would come back. This, we're the only religion that has this. The Christian faith has this doctrine. We should always be reminding people to look up for your redemption is nigh. Look up for the Lord is coming back. Be on the lookout, be ever watchful, for our Lord is returning. The angels proclaim to the disciples that this same Jesus would return just like he left. The second phrase, he will come in like manner as you see him go into heaven, also will answer some of our questions today. How will Jesus return and in what manner? And here's where we get into some interesting things here. Here's where we get into things that are called eschatology. Who's the what did Jesus? eschatology. It means the study of the end times. And why is this important to us? Because I'm going to say in a little while that I believe that your view on eschatology dictates the way you live your life right now. Which view do you have? We'll talk about that. There are two main terms used to describe the event of Jesus' return. The first term is the rapture of the church, and the second term is the second coming of Jesus. Both of these messages bring hope to the believer. Now, Some students of Scripture think that these two things are the same. They're the same meaning. However, they're very distinct when you look at the Scriptures and when you pull the Scriptures out. The rapture of the church refers to the event when Jesus comes and snatches true believers immediately into His presence. In Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, this event is clearly described in 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 13 through 18. We're going to read this. It's important. the voice of an archangel with a trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. This should be great comfort, great hope if you're a true believer. Now there's some words here we have to look at, and we have to look at their meanings in Greek and in Latin. In verse 17, Paul uses the words caught up. It means violently snatched away in the Greek. The word is harpazo in the Greek. Harpazo, violently snatched away. But when you translate it also as rapture or raptus in the Latin version, it's where we get our word rapture. It's where we get the word rapture. Jesus himself gives his own explanation of this event in the scripture we already read. Remember when we read John 14, 1-3? Let not your hearts be troubled, and we read that. Well, in the third verse of that 14th chapter, he says, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, you may also be. The key word here is receive in verse 3, and it is paralambano, paralambano. And in the Greek, and it does not mean is the same thing as harpazo. It means the exact thing, violently snatched away, that we talked about in 1 Thessalonians 4. This word, paralambano, also means to take, like in to take up, take away, be joined to, be connected to. Thus, the rapture is an event when true believers in Jesus Christ will be raised to meet Jesus in the air and to be together with Him forever and ever. The event that we all long for, the event that we all hope for, Now, I said true believers, and you're going to say, well, what is a true believer? I'm so glad you asked. A true believer is one who confesses that Jesus is Lord, one who believes in his heart that God raised him from the dead, one who is abiding in a relationship with him, trusting in him, believing in this relationship with Jesus Christ. A true believer is one who has accepted Christ's sacrifice on the cross that satisfies the wrath of God. That's the only thing that will satisfy God's wrath is Jesus sacrifice on the cross. And he did that for us. The rapture of the church is when Christ comes for his bride, the church, and takes us away with him forever. He'll descend, he won't set foot on earth. We're going to get to that in a minute. It's when we meet him in the air. He calls us up with a trumpet, with a shout, and we're all gone. We're out of here. We're gone to be with Jesus forever. What a wonderful day that will be. What a glorious day that will be when we all receive new bodies when we all are with our Lord and Savior forever and ever. Wow, what a glorious day. Now, if that does not give you hope, if that does not give you encouragement, we need to talk. That should give you great hope and great longing to be with Jesus. Now, the second coming of Jesus is an altogether different event. This is when Jesus actually returns to earth with his saints. Notice, the rapture of the church is the event when Jesus comes For the church, his saints. The second coming of Jesus Christ is when Jesus comes with his saints. We come with him. How can we come with them if we're not already there? So they have to be different times. They have to be different things. It's very different. At the rapture, we're taken up to earth to meet him in the air. At the second coming, Jesus will come down to earth with his saints and actually set foot on the Mount of Olives. According to the prophet Zechariah, In chapter 14, verse 4, he says this. And in that day, his feet will stand. He's talking about the Messiah. In that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives will be split in two from east to west, making a very large valley. At the second coming of Jesus, he will return to earth to overthrow the devil, to take control of governments of the world, to establish a righteous government of peace and order on earth under his own authority. You can read about that in Revelations 19. Though many people believe that these two events, the rapture of the church and the second coming of Jesus Christ, are synonymous, are the same event, the Bible gives far too many examples that tells that they're different. A classic example is Paul's second epistle to the Thessalonians. He says in 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 1 and 2, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus and our gathering together unto him, We ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Paul mentioned both events in the first verse here. The coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and the gathering of Him together with us. It's two things. He separates them, and he speaks about them individually. In fact, one of the reasons Paul wrote the second letter to the Thessalonian church was to assure them that they didn't miss the rapture. Some believed that the day of Christ had already come. It was a normal attitude of the saints to believe that the rapture could occur at any minute. The church believed in that. They moved everything they did was in that vein to demonstrate that Jesus Christ was coming, His eminent coming. In fact, some of them even quit their jobs and hung around all day waiting. Okay, where are you? They opted to wait on the Lord's return. And because they did this, Paul corrects that attitude in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. He corrects that attitude. He said, you're not supposed to wait for him. You're supposed to watch and wait, but you're not supposed to lay everything down, quit your job. You're supposed to continue. And we talked about that a couple weeks ago, about continuing in the Lord. So we as Christians, we hope in the imminent return of Jesus Christ, that same Jesus, we hope that he returns soon. But there is the feat of this hope. There is a thief that comes in the middle of this hope. And unfortunately, there's a tremendous debate about this and confusion. And there's even division over these two opinions of when the Lord will return to earth. The main reason for this debate seems to depend on the time frame. When does it happen? To better understand the nature of this debate, we need to look at another main issue where the conflict arises. This is yet another event known as the Great Tribulation. The Great Tribulation. Some call the great tribulation a thief of hopelessness. According to Daniel 9, 27, the great tribulation is a period of seven years, which predicted to be a period of tremendous suffering and death on earth. In Matthew 24, which we read last week, by the way, Jesus told his disciples about these events leading up to and culminating with a climactic period, which he said will be great tribulation. In Revelation 2, Jesus threatened to cast the church of Thyatira into the great tribulation. Unless they it, Again, in Revelation 7, the elder, speaking to an entranced Apostle John, describes those who had come out of the great tribulation. Revelation seven fourteen. The great tribulation can also be referred to as the great day of the Lord. And it's prophesied to be a terrible time to live. Zephaniah, the prophet, described it this way. The great day of the Lord is near. It is near and hastens quickly. The noise of the day of the Lord is bitter. There are mighty men cry out. The day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble, of distress, a day of devastation, desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and darkness. Zephaniah 1, verses 14 through 15. The prophet Joel says, The day of the Lord is great and terrible. Who can endure it? In Joel 2:11. It's also called the time of Jacob's trouble by the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 30, indicating to us that along with many other passages in the Bible, that the time of great tribulation is marked for one people and one people only, the nation Israel. That's who it's marked for. Therefore, by these verses, we can understand that we would not want to be around during this time. We don't want to be around during this time of tribulation. Upon hearing the prophecies of this terrible time, I sometimes ask myself, where's the church going to be? where are we going to be during this time? This is one of the major points of debate in this time when you study eschatology, the study of end times. Some students see the church going through the tribulation and hence you have a great debate. Now I'm not going to go on and on about all the different points of view, but one thing is clear, like I said earlier, a person's view on eschatology will deeply affect the way you live your life as a Christian today. How you view eschatology, how you view end times prophecy, how you view the rapture of the church, the second coming of Jesus Christ, will tell us. This is not the time to do a complete study on the millennial age, where I say words like pre-millennials, post-millennials, a or pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib. It's not the time for that. That's another study at another day. Yeah, somebody's going, Oh, thank the Lord, we'd we'll be here all night. There are many, many great books written on that topic, too. We can't go into detail at that time, but we will when we get to those scriptures. But as I've stated, how you view eschatological times will affect the way you live out your Christianity. It's quite simple. If a person believes that Jesus cannot return to earth until after the Great Tribulation, then that person's going to be looking for the Great Tribulation and not Jesus Christ. If a person believes that Jesus is going to return midway through the great tribulation, then who's that person looking for? He's looking for the Antichrist and not Jesus Christ. It's simple. If a person believes that Jesus will come and rapture the church at any moment, the way the early church believed, then his life will be filled with expectancy, with hope, with encouragement that at any time, any minute, We could be leaving this earth and be joined together with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Maybe today. Listen for the trumpet. Open those doors, man. Maybe today. If a Christian believes that they have to go through the tribulation, there is no joy. There's only sadness. There's only sadness and fear. Because you've all read the books. It's scary to have to go through the tribulation. You may be one of the tribulation force, but I guarantee it's not as pretty as they made it out the scene in those books. You do not want to be here during that time. When these two men appeared to the disciples at the Ascension of Jesus, they were not scolding them for looking in the sky. they were filling them with hope and expectation. They were training them to look for their deliverance, to look upward for the Lord Jesus comes. They were passing on the doctrine of the imminent return of Jesus Christ, a doctrine that I want to pass on to you today and hope he will grab and hope that you will hope with me that Christ comes soon. Come, Lord Jesus, come soon, we pray. I realize that there are strong opinions on various sides to eschatology. I realize that. And I understand that there are great doctrinal arguments on both sides. And I do not want to cause division nor do I want to sever fellowship with those people who believe otherwise. In fact, I've had some wonderful fellowship with people who believe in the mid or post-tribulation coming of Christ and rapture or whatever you want to call it. We've had some great fellowship. It was pretty cool. I never knew about this when we were fellowshipping and we were talking about Jesus, we are having Bible studies, we are having a wonderful time. This was, I'll tell you how long ago, the very first book Left Behind came out. That's how long ago it was. We're having a great time about him. And I said, have you read Left Behind? Oh, I won't. I said, well, why not? He said, I don't believe in that. I went, oh. I looked at him and went, I'm sorry. And he said, are you sorry I don't believe in it, or are you sorry I haven't read it? I said, yes. <laughs> that was it. From then on, though, we had great fellowship. Why? Because we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. We believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, which was the one focal point of what we agreed upon, and we stayed on those topics. Because you know what, this is all going to work itself out, guys. I believe that Christ is coming soon. I believe that He can come any minute. I believe in the rapture of the church, and I also believe that we're going to come back with Him at the second coming. I believe that because that's what the scriptures tell, and that's what the scriptures support. So I believe that. But I don't want to make anybody stumble. I just want to encourage them to believe upon the Bible and believe upon the Bible that what it says. Jesus told us to watch, therefore, and pray that you are accounted worthy to escape all things that will come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. He said that in Luke 21, verse 36. See, a danger occurs when we lose sight of his return and we fall prey to all the other desires of the world that aren't really godly. You know, he warned his disciples to watch, but before that, he told them, take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down, causing with carousing, drunkenness, and the cares of this life that the day doesn't come upon you unexpectedly, for it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth, says in Luke 21. Don't get caught up in the attitude that Jesus is delaying his return. If you do that, you're going to become entangled in this life. You're going to become entangled in the world. You're going to seek to build your own kingdom and not wait for his kingdom. You're going to seek to puff up your own self and not puff up Jesus Christ. You're going to invest in this kingdom and not the kingdom that is going to come. We should always be busy doing the Father's work. We should always be busy doing the Master's bidding. Later on today, you have a moment, take some time to read the parable of the faithful and evil servant in Matthew 24, verses 45 to 51. What a great story. Here you get a picture of one thinking that the Master has delayed coming back and all the crazy things that they do, that he does because he's not thinking that the Master's coming back. And he's just sitting around he becomes very lazy. He's very discontented. And he's doing all these things that he knows he's not supposed to be. And then you have the faithful servant who's watching, who's waiting, and he's prepared when the master comes back. And then look at the, what happens to both of them. And see the rebuke that Jesus gives to the one who was, had the attitude of, eh, he'll be here soon. I have to challenge you. What's your attitude today? Are you waiting for the return of Jesus Christ? Are you anticipating the return of Jesus Christ? Are you hoping that he'll come soon? Or do you have that attitude where, you know, man, he'll come. Yes, all right. We'll just take a little bit of time, you know. He'll get here. We're all right. Now I want him to come now. I want to be with him forever, and I want him to come now. You know, in the Lord's Prayer, we said, your kingdom come, not my kingdom Your will be done, not my will. That's what I want. We read the scriptures that said, no one knows the times. No one knows the seasons of Jesus' return. No one. But we can always assume, wake up every morning with the thought, today could be the day. Today could be the day of his glorious return. Now, who can I witness to? Who can I tell the love about Jesus Christ? Who can I show that love to so that they might come into the kingdom? I believe he's delaying for a reason. We don't call it delaying. We call it tarrying for a reason because the age of grace is not over yet. This age of grace hasn't culminated yet. He wants more people to come in. He wants us to be the witnesses that we talked about last week. Remember, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be witnesses. You will be witnesses first in Northgate May. You'll be witnesses in Upper Township, in Ocean City, and on up through Vineland, and up to Philadelphia, and then the outermost portions of the world. You'll be his witnesses. That's why he's tarrying. But believe it, don't get caught up in him tarrying because he's coming soon. Be watchful, be hopeful, be expected. Have your heart expecting his return at any time. The same way that disciples, when he went up to heaven that day, their hearts were exploded with expectancy. They expected him back any moment. And that's what the first church did. That's what the church of Acts did. It became alive. It became vibrant. It became witnessing the love of Jesus Christ all over the place because they would tell people, you don't know when he's going to walk through that door. You don't know when he's going to show up. Today could be today. And literally it was, today was the day of your salvation. You need Christ. So we faithfully watch. We faithfully wait. Just as the eminent return of Jesus Christ was a distinctive of the early church, it is my heart's desire and my heart's prayer that it would be a distinctive of this church. That we would grasp that distinctive and say, yes, Lord Jesus, come. Come soon. The second to the last verse in the Bible, we find John the Apostle confirming these very angels' words in Revelation 22 verse 20. We read, He who testifies of these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. You are a sure hope.
0: You've been listening to a sure hope with Pastor Dave. Pastor Dave has been making his way through the book of Acts, an exciting adventure into the beginnings of the Christian church. These first few days, weeks, months, and years of the Christian ministry were filled with much faith and courage. In fact, the very first martyrs were mentioned in this book. It was an interesting time in history for sure, and just like today, some people were eager to hear about Jesus, and others were looking to put those down who follow after him. What are some of the things that have stood out to you about today's message? We'd like to hear about it. Would you give us a call? Let us know how this message has impacted you. Our number is 609-884-5821. Once more, that number is 609-884-5821. If you're in the Cape May area, you're invited to join us at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. A Sure Hope is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Cape May, and we'd like to get to know you and worship God together this weekend. Check out AsureHopeRadio.com to find out service times. Again, that's AsureHopeRadio.com. And if you can't make it in person, we stream our services live to Facebook and YouTube. Just look for the links at AsureHopeRadio.com. That's all the time we have for today. But we hope you'll join us again on the next edition. Pastor Dave will continue on in the book of Acts, helping you understand and appreciate this great book here on Asure Hope.
1: Up